Welcome to the Project Bouldering Podcast. I'm Brendan Baca, and today we're doing something a little bit different. Project Bouldering co-host, co-owner, world traveler, Javier Ortega, is coming to us from Santiago, Chile. And so we're going to do a little check-in. We're going to kind of talk about Hobbs' last two months in Chile, climbing culture, traveling, coffee, who knows where it's going to go. But... Without further ado, here's Javier. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> Good, dude. We, uh, I think this is the this is the second time, no, third time we've talked, right? Yeah, maybe third, fourth. I don't know. We, we kept in touch. We keep it real. Yeah. On the WhatsApp, yeah. on the WhatsApp tip. Took a while. We're gonna, this is the Chile check-in. We thought it would happen after a week, but that was, uh pretty ostentatious of us i think that might be the wrong word is that the right word is that it sounds good to me i'm gonna i'm gonna go with it <laughs> all right let's take it but yeah a week bold. we'll a, say bold a week was quite optimistic i will tell you that it took me a while to sort of like get my feet on the ground and my head out of the clouds here um just sort of getting my head around the the spanish and figuring out where in the city everything is where all the necessities are how to live how to survive how to understand the spanish here which is crazy it's absolutely crazy let's start there so how does the spanish compare to spanish in new mexico and then also spain well so i'll tell you when i when i talk to people from chile about why i came here one of the things that I tell them is that I came to work on my Spanish. And one of the things that I've heard again and again is, well, you came to the wrong place because we don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Seriously. I've heard that. I've heard that from like 10 different people. Wait, what do they claim that they speak? They speak Chileno. Uh. And like Spanish, they refer to as Castellano, which is more what they speak in Spain, Castellano. And with like a little bit of a different accent, but still it's like Castellano. And in New Mexico, it's more like Northern Mexican Spanish. And Mexican Spanish is sort of like thought of as fairly proper here. Um, and Chileans will generally say like, we speak really bad Spanish. That's just, they, that's what they say. Now, my, my thought about it is if I can understand the Spanish here, which is like world renowned for being some of the toughest Spanish, then I can understand the Spanish anywhere. And a few people have also had that insight, which is good to hear because like, that's my, that's my logic about why I came. One of the reasons that I came to Chile. Um, but having said that, it definitely threw me for a loop when I first started to actually try and interact with people. And there was a lot of literally saying like, could you please say that again? Exactly the same way, but like twice as slow. Um, and so is it, re it's really quick. It's really fast. They cut a lot of words and they have a bunch of phrases that only exist here in Chile, like phrases and words that aren't real Spanish and don't really have like a literal meaning, but they comprise like about half of every sentence. So <laughs> once you can sort of start to like get those individual phrases then you can sort of understand the other Spanish words. And having said that, my Spanish when I got here was probably, I'm only like between 60 and 70% fluent. 
And so, yeah, I was like, I felt like I didn't speak a word of Spanish when I first got here. Whoa. Like, I went to Argentina for a weekend, and it it was awesome, because all of a sudden I was like, <laughs> oh, I, I know what you're saying. Like, I can understand that. Is it Like, they have a totally different accent, but they speak slower, and they, like, they speak with words that I know. How far of a drive was that? Or a bus ride? It's about an eight-hour bus ride, and we spent about three hours in the customs. And it was rad, man. Like, the bus just goes on these these uh, switchbacks. Up, it, like, goes towards the coast a little bit, and then just, like, goes straight towards the Andes and goes on these Whoa. incredibly steep switchbacks. And you're looking down at like a 45 degree incline. Like it's a, these, these roads are a feat of engineering and you just go up and over the Andes and the scenery is absolutely incredible. And the Aduana, the, the customs is literally right on the border. Um, check out our Instagram for a picture from the Aduana. I was going to say, you put a, a project bouldering picture there, right? Yeah, dude, I pegged a sticker right up on that Aduana sign. Better, be, better bet your ass. Don't tell customs. Yeah. Don't tell customs. I'll get kicked out. But, uh, no, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it was kind of cool that we got to spend three hours up on customs because I had a little beer, I had a little sandwich, and then I just kind of like walked around and had this surreal feeling of like, here I am standing on the border between Chile and Argentina, like up in the Andes and the winds like whipping at my face. It was just, it was crazy. It was beautiful. It was awesome. It was. That's insane. It was. That brings me. Good. Oh, no, it was just. It was like nothing I'd ever I'd ever experienced. Like, I heard that Mendoza was. A, it was people are like, yeah, it's really close. You just like take the bus over there and you'll be there like that. And I was like, damn, I'm like straight up in the Andes right now, and this is this is nuts. How's uh? What you said something that made me think. Oh, the food. How has the food been out there? Food is food is pretty good. Um. There's, like, a lot of different variations of hot dogs. Oh, you were telling me about that last time. Yeah, there's, like, the like the sort of, like, emblematic food is the completo. And you get that everywhere, which is a hot dog with um, mayo and tomatoes and, uh, let's see, sauerkraut. And that's pretty much it. They just put a ton of mayo on it. Or you, you can learn to love mayo? Uh, I'm getting there. Like, I'll eat it. But the other thing is you can get an Italiano, which is mayo and tomato, or yeah, mayo, avocado, tomatoes, and sometimes they put sauerkraut on it. And you can sub out the hot dog for what they call ass, like literally ass, like A-S-S. And so you can get an ass Italiano, which is... Eat the ass Italiano. Amazing. Yeah. You like eat the ass Italiano. But then the best thing to order, really, like the best sounding thing and the best tasting thing. Wait, so what is ass? Oh, ass is just like, it's just, it's just, uh, grilled beef. It's just like grilled beef. It's really good. It's far better than a hot dog. What is, does ass mean something in Chileno, in Spanish out there that, that makes sense for that translation? Or is it just. As far as I can gather, no. It's just like it's just like the colloquial term for that, and it's like not really thought of as a joke or anything. But this really like sweet nineteen-year-old Swiss girl was asking me what to order at three a.m. in a restaurant in San <laughs> in San Clemente, 
on our way back from uh, Valle de los Condores, and I was like, you know, really, you're going to laugh, but the best thing to order is called the Ass Dynamico. Or like, and she was, she just burst out laughing, and she just like couldn't stop smiling. So she's like, I can't believe I'm about to order a dynamic ass. I'm all, yep, you're going to love it. You're going to love eating yeah. this dynamic ass. You can trust me. Yeah. <laughs> and she did. She loved it. Everybody loves a dynamic ass. I mean, come on. What, what, yeah, what better thing is there? So, so what about, okay. Oh, I was going to say, like, that's one thing. And then the other really emblematic thing is empanadas. Like, there's empanadas mm. everywhere. And you can actually, like, like one of the better ones I've had is an empanada with, with mushrooms and queso, mushrooms and cheese. And it's just like, dude, it's really, really, really good. And, but, like, the, the main one they eat here is um, empanada de pino, which is beef and half of one hard-boiled egg and one olive and i forget there's like a couple other ingredients but that's mainly it and i can't for the life of me figure out why there's only one olive like i want more olives i want more egg but there's only like one olive and half of an egg <laughs> Weird. but everyone's all you have to try the empanada de pino so i did and it's pretty good i mean i can understand <laughs> i can't understand either one of them or maybe the egg, because you're trying to make it go farther, more empanadas, but the one olive, like, you can't just put two olives in there? Or just, like, chop it up and put it throughout, but it's, like, one, yeah. it's, like, oh, there's my olive, I ate the whole olive in one bite, done, done with is the Is the boiled egg just cut in half? Yeah. Or is it sliced up? No, oh, it's, it's just, just, like, so it is that, like, solid half of an egg. Yeah, it's just, like, like beef with spices, <laughs> half of one egg at some point, and then at some other point, an olive, and that's your empanada de pino. So, yeah, like, the food, I mean, like, probably the best food that I've had that everybody loves to do is the asado, which, as you might expect, is just a gigantic piece of grilled meat. And it's, I mean, mm. we all know what that's like, and it's delicious. We get, like, really good meat here. What about the wine? Everyone oh, my talks about Chilean wine. God, dude, the wine is, that's the thing. That's actually the thing more than the food. Um, the Carmenere grape is incredible. They thought that it was, it's like a grape from, from Italy back in the day, but the vines in Italy had some kind of weird pestilence where like they all died out and they thought this grape was mm. extinct, but unbeknownst to all of these vineyards, they had been growing Carmenere grapes in Chile for a long time, but they thought they were Merlot. And then somebody did the, this genetic test. They were like, well, this wine tastes kind of like Carmenere. And they did this genetic test, and they were like, well, turns out the Carmenere grape's not dead. So Chile kind of like let that grape survive, saved it from the brink of extinction, and now that's kind of like the emblematic wine from here. And it's, it's amazing. Like you can, get, you can get an incredible bottle of wine for three to 4,000 pesos, which is 5 to $6. Whoa. And, That's nice. Oh, dude, it's so nice. And then the, the wine in Mendoza, too, in Argentina. Oh, my God. It's off the hook. That's nice. Is there much beer drink out there? Yeah, people drink beers, but usually they're, they're like, kind of low-quality lagers. They're, like, they're not, they're not really too much to write home about. Although I have had a few microbrews from the south of Chile that are, like, pretty remarkable. But they're a lot more rare. Like, I mean... Beer in New Mexico is just of a sort of a different caliber than it is here. But New Mexican wine doesn't even compare. 
doesn't even compare. Oh, I bet. I've never tasted a single wine from New Mexico that holds a candle to any wine that I've tasted here or in Argentina. I don't think I've tasted a single wine from New Mexico and sorry, New Mexico, but that I've been like, yeah, that's, I would buy that again. No, dude, I've had some like, ba- like really bad wines from New Mexico. Mm. Sorry, New Mexico. I love you. The, vin- the vinegar spot. Yeah. We don't have to say any names, but yeah, we don't have to mention any <laughs> ponderosa names, but, uh, some places are just pretty much, you know, they're making stuff that should be used in cooking. <laughs> What about, what about we touched on food? Oh, coffee. Coffee here is, um, you can find really good coffee. Uh, I sort of expected there to be better coffee. Usually I just make my own. Um, but there's not, there's not that much of a, like a third wave coffee culture. Like there is, but you really have to search it out. Um, but one of the more famous things here is Cafe con piernas, which since they don't have strip clubs to speak of here, they get their they get their their naked ladies in coffee shops. So coffee con piernas is literally coffee with legs. So you get your coffee served to you by like scantily clad baristas. Would you say that they're like like Twin Peaks Hooters clad or less more? Mm, probably <laughs> that's, that's pro- a spectrum. Probably somewhere between Twin Peaks and Hooters, like less than Hooters. More than Twin Peaks is what I'd say. But, I mean, like, you know why you're going to get coffee con piernas, and it's not for the coffee. It's, so ha- the coffee's not great? No, the coffee coffee con piernas is good. But you can, <laughs> there's, other, <laughs> there's other things happening in the mind at that time where you're like, oh, yeah, this is a good coffee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll remember, like, oh. I'll remember this coffee. Wow, this coffee, this coffee tastes pretty good. And I, are they I, up on – are the girls – like servers or are they up they'll, like I'm they'll trying be, to picture the they'll the be ele- they'll be elevated a little bit yeah there's like different layouts but usually they're they're kind of like regular servers sometimes they they kind of waltz in on on paths so you can like you know check out the piernas i've only been to one i've only been to one place that's actually like coffee con piernas but i desire more I don't know. Yeah. The coffee was fantastic. Seek that out. It sounds like great coffee. <laughs> yeah. No, my first so, my first couple of weeks here I was like super super just starved for coffee and just trying to find any good coffee place. And I mean, you can get it, but but I don't know. A lot of places aren't very like they they have decent machines, but they're not pulling great shots. That's an interesting from a lot of people I know that have gone to places of good coffee origin where they grow really good coffee, the coffee that's drank at those places is oftentimes not that great coffee that's grown there. It's because that coffee is really expensive and, and oftentimes exported. Yeah. That's sort of my thought on it. That's, that seems to be, that seems to be the logic because I, I really sort of expected to be to have like this widespread third wave coffee, but I think the fact is that there's a large portion of the population. I mean, there's there's a large portion of the population who's just middle class, and then a decently large population who's lower class, and then a small population who's upper class and who would be able to afford really expensive coffee. 
like expensive, well-done coffee. So if you go to the nice section of town, there's coffee shops everywhere and all of them are going to be serving really good coffee. But in general, I mean, Santiago is a city of 5 million people and there's not like a great coffee shop on every street. You know, it's a big, big city. Mm. What's the, uh, like how big is the land area of Santiago? So like 5 million people in like the land size of Albuquerque or smaller, bigger. It's got to be roughly about the same size as Albuquerque. It's got to be. I haven't actually done the, done the homework on that, but um, yeah, I would think so. I mean, there's a lot of high rises. A lot of people live in like in, in six, seven, 10, 20 story buildings. I mean, Whereas in Albuquerque, there's like no, I don't know, there's like no 20-story buildings. They're everywhere in Santiago, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because like when I went to Seoul in South Korea, it's roughly the same size as here. I think it was like 20 square miles bigger, but there were 30 million people in that area. And it's just like, it's crazy to see those built. You don't really notice it because the buildings are so much taller. And since we have a building our permits only allow a certain height of building so that the sunsets and like everything remains. I can't remember. I meant to look up when that was put into law in New Mexico, but that's why we don't have tall buildings here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's weird. Albuquerque is a special place it's like really mm. special. It's really, really, really spread out. New Mexico in general is really, really spread out. There's a lot of just open land, Indian reservations, or just like hilly areas in Santiago, not so much. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of parks and obviously on one end you have the Andes and then not so far on the other end you have, you have the ocean, but in the actual city, it's like city. It's just city for no. miles and miles and miles, just city, city, city. How's the public transportation? It's good. I depend on it every single day. I take like multiple metros to go teach English lessons I take the bus. I, yeah, it's like really, really widespread. Some people have cars, but I would say most people take public transportation. Reliable too. Yeah, it's reliable, and it's cool. People do this like surfing kind of thing on the metros, where where they like you learn to not have to ha hold on to the handrails. You uh. just kind of like you know you kind of like accelerate your body forward when it when it accelerates and then when it breaks you kind of like shift your weight i don't know it's good it's good training it's cross training for always sure. be training yeah yeah dude always training always training dude so that that leads us to the meat of our conversation the ass the ass climbing <laughs> the ass dinamico of our the ass dinamico of our conversation how has the we've we've been able to talk a little bit about it but the climbing out there and that's kind of why we put this off for so long is to like you were like i feel like i understand the climbing now enough to where i can talk about it yeah yeah totally i mean yeah cuz when i first got here i was bouncing between hostels and I was couch surfing and, you know, I was spending some time at the gym, but I really didn't get out to like climb on rock until after like a month into my journey. And now it's two months and I've, I've been out climbing a bunch. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. I would say a hundred percent that sport climbing 
is way more popular than bouldering. Like people who boulder, Boo. they climb in the gym. People who boulder only climb in the gym. Hmm. And people who climb outside pretty much only climb on rope. Like I have literally not met one single person and I have asked, I have not met one single person who has a crash pad and crash pads here are kind of expensive and bouldering areas don't seem to be extensively developed. Um, so that's like the thing I'm still waiting to check off, but I've done a bunch of, a bunch of sport climbing, mostly around Santiago. I mean, Santiago is like literally surrounded on three sides by hills and these hills ha have conglomerate rock and it's of fairly high quality and there's a ton of sport climbing to do. There's in the foothills of the Andes a ton of trekking which leads to a bunch of multi-pitch stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean I'll tell you about my first experience climbing on rock. It was kind of funny. I like was trying to get in touch with this guy who I now live with. His name is Waco and he had a room for rent and it, the room was first full and it wasn't available and then it turned out it was going to be available and we were texting back and forth on WhatsApp. Finally, he was like, all right, you can move in in, in a week. And so on a Friday, he came and picked me up from the place that I was couch surfing, took me to the house. I unloaded all my stuff and we went right away to the Estadio Nacional, literally the national stadium, like Chile played uh, Uruguay in football there last night. Go Chile. Chile crushed them. Um, nice. But yeah, there's a free little bouldering training spot there. And so we trained pretty hard and it was great. And he was like, yeah, tomorrow we're going to go trekking and we're going to go camping and then the next day we're going to climb. I was like, perfect. That sounds great. And his Spanish is hard to understand for sure. It's like one of the harder He's, he's one of the harder people to talk to because of that. Like, it's just, he talks really fast, a lot of slang. Is he from Santiago? He's from, San, or he's actually from Valparaiso. But, um, anyway, I was like, yeah, no problem, no fear. Let's, like, let's do it. I was jumping in with both feet. And so the next morning we get up and we go out to Cajon del Maipo and we start trekking. And, you know, we had bought a bunch of food, obviously. We had... He had like a two liter of Coca-Cola. Chileans are addicted to sugar. Um, mm. It's like widespread. It's just like everybody. Um, and so we trekked and the trekking was like crazy intense. Crazy, crazy intense. Just covered in sweat and dirty. And finally we like get up to the almost peak of this hill. And we're at the like, we're at this, this cliff. And we decide to camp there. No tent. Camp under the stars. And I just had this like crazy night of camping where I was seeing constellations that I'd never seen before and shooting stars everywhere and just it was like beautiful mm. crazy birds that I'd never heard eagles condors parrots um just everything was so foreign all the plants were completely foreign to me that's well, wild we woke up the next morning and we made a quick breakfast of oats and then we pretty much just got right on the cliff and we started climbing and it was my first time ever doing multi-pitch, which is awesome. But also consider that when you're sport climbing, there's a lot of communication that has to take place. 
yeah. between climbers. And so that was, I will say, like quite a challenge for me to feel secure and safe using the lingo of climbing with, like, with people who were talking in, in, with terms I'd never heard. Like I, I had studied a little bit of like the lingo of climbing, but it's just always different in the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. But thankfully the climbing was easy. It was like five, eight. And so I, I never actually felt like I was at risk, but I did realize that if I was going to do anything harder than that, I definitely needed to improve my Spanish, like particularly my climbing Spanish. Um, and since then I've been sport climbing in a number of other places and I've, you know, obviously been talking Spanish every day. So my Spanish has gotten a lot better, but that was kind of like a baptism by fire into, into climbing in, in Chile. Yeah. It sounds intense. Like, or I guess like it could have been intense. It's like on the borderline of like, well, I'm on a five day. I should be good, but. I don't know what everyone's saying all the time. Yeah, no, exactly. I'm like, okay, I understand what to do now, but now you're shouting something at me and not sure what you're saying. Could you please say that again? Oh shit. We're about like a whole rope's length away and it's super windy. (laughs) What the hell did you just say? All right. I'm just going to climb. I'm safe. You're safe. I'm going to climb. Whoa. How many pitches was it? It was four pitches and I led the last one. Which was, Sick. yeah, it was, I mean, none of it was hard at all. I actually, like, got kind of frustrated with all the waiting and just all the dealing with equipment. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just part of it. It's just part of doing multi-pitch stuff. How was it for you? Like, I know it was the first time and it was a 5.8, but is it something that you would like to do more of? Like, have you multi-pitch climbed more since then? That's the only multi-pitch climbing that I've done. I would love to do more. I would definitely love to do more. I would love to get out on some harder stuff. I would just, like I mean, Don, like Don Wall. Yeah, I got my sights set on the on the Don Wall. I don't know. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna text Adam Andre later and see uh, see how he's doing up there. I'm sure he's getting cell phone service. So that's cool. Yeah, no, he is. He posted yesterday, so he's good. Yeah, he's totally. Safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so up there, were, were there a lot of different routes that were harder? I guess, did you get to see anything else? Yeah, there were harder routes. We saw a few other climbers that were up there. Um, but one thing that I've noticed is that, that climbing is kind of like, it's kind of like one finger of the hand and the other fingers are like trekking and mountaineering and alpinism and that kind of thing. So climbing isn't focused on quite as much. And having said that, it was a brutal trek to get up there. So we only saw like, like two or three other climbers who were, who who were willing to, you know, do that trek and put in that time just to, just to climb some routes. Um, Cause there's, there's way easier access to, to, to climb. If you want, how to. far, how far out would you, would you guess you were? I mean, we were, it was probably like a 12 to 15 kilometer trek. Um, so I guess what's that between, between like eight and 11 miles, something like that. 
but it was just really, really steep. And like, I thought it was good on, on like steep, dry territory, but the dirt, the dirt out here is just, it's just different. It's, I'm just not used to it. It's like super, super slippery. I found myself slipping on like, not very, very steep inclines. And I was like, wow, I need to just kind of be careful out here. Huh. What did you bring boots? This is kind of like a. No, I mean, yeah, just my Solomons, like they're like trail running shoes. Crazy. Yeah, everybody else had pretty much the same thing. It just like it's it's just getting to know the land, like the the texture yeah. of the land. The way down was actually far more precarious, I would say. That's so crazy. And then so after I'm impressed with how many free climbing areas there are or not areas. I'm sorry. Like in the city, it seems like there's a lot of places you can go climb for free where there's like holds. Do they just leave the holds up? Yeah. So that's actually interesting. That's something that's going on right now. Um, One of the places I talked about earlier, it's called the Estadio Nacional and there's just a boulder that's out. You literally like, drive onto the stadium property when there's not a game going on obviously so like yesterday we were gonna go climb and then it was like oops chili's playing so Mm -hmm. we cannot go climb but um when you can't when you do go climb from like i don't know five to nine they they put out pads all around this this constructed wooden boulder um and and people just come and like psych is really high and there's some routes that are laid out with tape, but in general, people just kind of like point to holds and they say, de la verde, a la, a la azul, a la regleta roja, y termina en la naranja. And, you know, p- people just give each other problems and, and, and climb that way. And, uh, so that's really, oh, yeah. it's really badass. It's a really cool community. And then at 9 p.m., they put away the pads. And you can't climb anymore. So that's how it is. But yeah, it's just there all the time. I don't think they leave the gate open. So I don't think you would be able to like go there in the middle of the night if you had a crash pad. But I'm not sure about that. Um, so there's that one, which is about, it's like less than a mile from our house, which is badass. Nice. There's another one called the silos or the silos. Um, and it's kind of a tragic story, actually, because... There are these two concrete silos that used to actually be filled with cement, um, and they've been empty for years and years and years. And about three years ago, somebody took the initiative to get city funds and and put holds on them. And so some of the holds are like in cuts that are chipped into the sides of the concrete, and there's also bolts, bolt-ons that are just there and there. So there's like roots that people climb up these concrete silos. It's badass. There's like, there's like carved wooden rails that are sick. They're just like really good to grab really like just awesome. Some pretty hard roots, like decently hard roots. And people, people bring their, their ropes and it's just like, you know, you're, you gotta be safe all on your own. There's no rules. There's no sign up. There's no waiver to sign. Nothing like that. Um, and then there's also a little boulder area at the base of this. And recently, w- like the first time that I went there, it was just like a small wall. Like, I don't know, probably like 
15 feet wide, but it was being expanded. And last weekend they opened it up and it was like, it was huge. It actually now extended around the whole silos. And it was like, you know, psych was again, really super high about this new bouldering area. Well, this is why we can't have nice things, dude. I'm going to tell you, it's such a bummer. The next, or like that night, the night after it opened, somebody set fire to the boulder. What? And they burned up the whole thing. It just, yeah, it like, what? I woke up on my Facebook f- news feed to like, to like, fire destroyed the, the silo boulder. This brand new boulder that, was, that had been like. That's some bullshit. It was total bullshit, dude. And they think it was intentional. And it was months of work, months and months of work and, and, you know, tens of thousands of dollars that just literally went up in smoke. So why, why would someone burn that? I have no idea. I really don't have an insight on this and nobody else does really either. It's just kind of like, there's a term here called flightes and that's generally like, like 'er ne'er-do-wells, people who are up to no good, people who tend to be like, I guess uneducated or cause trouble or whatever people are like it's like whenever something dumb happens or somebody gets robbed or something like that it's like uh like flight de culiado or whatever and so people just kind of roll their eyes and they go flight this so i don't know i mean it's just dude that's bananas yeah that's the dumbest shit i've ever heard it was a total bummer i was really really looking forward to going to train there on the new boulder Wow, that's really shitty. So was it was it behind a gate like the uh, Estadio Nacional? No, actually, the silos is just in a public park. It's just like hmm. this beautiful fixture in a public park where you can go and climb. You can go and climb and train. And like, I don't see any negatives to it. It's not like it. It's not like it causes traffic in the area. I mean, it's already like a. a highly traversed public park and the climbers are respectful and i don't know it's just a total bummer dude sport climbers are so violent though like people don't realize man sport climbers hate boulders yeah maybe (laughs) maybe it was the sport climbers they're like fuck these i mean (laughs) (laughs) that didn't translate as well through skype but or facetime but yeah no that's that's really shitty man well i mean i guess it makes I don't know. It makes more sense. Maybe someone got all drunk. Maybe a group got all drunk and they were like, there's wood. We have a match. Uh, let's light it on fire. I get, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing I can think. I don't, it doesn't seem like there's any motivation for anybody to be like, like seriously screw these guys. Other than the sport climbers. Yeah. Yeah. No, but everybody's a sport climber. Like, the people that boulder are, like, I don't know. Not very many people just boulder. Everybody sport climbs. So, yeah, I don't think anybody was like, screw these guys. Screw these these culiado climbers. We're going to, like, you know, ruin their climbing area. It's probably just, like, something like you said. People were just, like, there in the park and drunk and started messing around with fire. Who Who knows, man? It was just, like, the dumbest thing I've ever heard doing fire hoops or something and that sucks man that really sucks so it was up for a week it was up for a day oh 
one day, like that one day there was a, there was a tournament there on the brand new boulder. And the next morning I woke up to that news on my Facebook feed. Uh, how's the, uh, the city as far as like safety, how do you feel? You know, personally, I feel good. I've been warned a lot by Mm. people who live here. And if you talk to people who live here, most people have some experience with some kind of violence or being robbed or, you know, like if there's a protest going on, which protests are frequent, you're usually warned to stay away from that part of the city you're warned to stay out of Santiago Centro at night. Um, which that's where actually where my first hostel was. And I always felt okay, but it's easy to see also how if your head wasn't on a swivel, Mm -hmm. if you looked away from your bag for a second, somebody could easily walk away from it. I've heard a lot of stories about people getting pickpocketed. Um, I've heard stories about, people having a knife shoved in their face but generally just like when i'm on the street i i kind of just don't get too close to people and kind of like look around and if i don't know just look in people's eyes like let them know that you're that you see them and and i literally haven't had any problems but yeah it's it's like it is an issue people people do tell you about it people are like no don't go there right now or don't go to that yeah don't go to that part of the city just like don't make yourself a victim don't put yourself in a a yeah possibility of that happening yeah exactly and like yeah i i knowing that i sound like a gringo i try not like if i'm in a like that kind of city i try and keep talking to a minimum and you know, just don't like, yeah, don't take out a big old map and have a camera around my neck and yeah. look lost and that kind of thing. Just kind of. It's interesting. I was listening to a podcast a while back with, and Tate Fletcher was talking about, he was walking through a city on his cell phone and then he was just like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like anyone, he's a well-trained mixed martial artist, but he was like, anyone with any knowledge of fighting could take me out right now. Cause my whole entire attention as I'm walking down the street is on my cell phone. Right. So he, he ended that conversation was like, be a gentleman, use your bath or use, use your cell phone when you go take shit. Like when you're walking down the street, keep your phone away. Yeah. That's pretty much what I do. I mean, I don't know. I, I saw like the other day I was in, forget where I was, but I saw some guys walking with a big old map, like, you know, in front of their face. And I was like, Oh, target right there. Like, and I just yeah. saw it from like across the street and I, you know, I just realized that and I'm like, you know, I really don't think I look like that. I, you know, you kind of just like, you yeah. look, you look on the map, you look where you're going to go, figure out your directions and then you just go there and you don't, yeah, you don't like, you don't look around too much. You don't always take a picture of something or whatever. You just kind of like be a citizen of the city for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, there's like with 5 million people, there's so many people that you could pickpocket. So like, don't put yourself in a position, like you said, like looking at a giant map or like with your camera out or with for too long and make yourself look like I have no idea where I am. 
Yeah, exactly. Can someone help me? <laughs> Don't look like the lost gringo because somebody will help you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> He's going to be like, oh, yeah, let me help you with that cell phone. Oh, let me help you yeah. with the money in your wallet or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. Hob hand, dude. Yeah. No, dude, that's a... No. <laughs> I've, I've never given that kind of hand to people. Yeah, that's nice. So where else have you had an opportunity to go outside? Dude, I will tell you the best outside climbing I've done is in Valle de los Condres, and that is incredible. That's like very, very high-quality basalt, and probably only a fraction of it has been developed. And just like in view from the Gran Muro is a ton more climbing mm. <clears throat> uh, that's possible to do. I mean, within a kilometer, there's like... There's just so many walls that are just super high quality, incredible landscape. There's like these blue streams that are flowing right next to the climbing. There's camping. There's waterfalls. There's like, it, it's just, it's amazing. It's like what you think of when you think of Chile. It kind of lo like, looks like what you think of when you think of Patagonia, actually. Um, it's like desert, but still with these like, with this like amazing runoff from the Andes. It's just, it's incredible there. I like, I would love to go back there with a crash pad because there's no bouldering established there. Zero. And there's just like gigantic basalt blocks everywhere. Everywhere. Whoa. Gigantic basalt blocks that you're like, oh, damn, what about that arete? Oh, damn, looks like there's holds up there. Oh, man, I need a crash pad for that. But let's get. Ben Hanna out there and put some stuff up. Let's go. Hanna smash. Take over. <laughs> Hanna smash. Come on out here, dude. Dude, that's... Uh, oh, th if anyone wants to check out any pictures or description of your trip there, you wrote a blog, right? That's the blog that you wrote? Yeah, yeah. I wrote the blog. It's uh, it's on projectbouldering.com. And there's a lot of pictures. Yeah. Dude, that place looked so incredible. Was that another trekking? Like, did you, you trekked in and then camped? Actually, that, um, you drive pretty much right to the camping. Whoa. You drive right cool. to the camping, and most people choose to camp in the shadow of the Gran Muro. So you can literally camp, like, 30 meters from the wall. And right there, you're looking at, like, probably 50 to 100 routes. Uh, very, like, I mean, you can climb 5.8 there. There's 5.14 there. Like, there, and, and everything in between. Everything, everything, everything in between. From sick-ass slabs, like, very hard, cool slabs on super high-quality rock to amazing, like, gymnastic overhanging 5.12s to, I don't know, just the, the movement is incredible. I saw people climbing there at like 11 p.m. with their headlamps, and I was like, "Dude, this is where the climbers go. Like, it's a climbing mecca. Yeah. It's literally like, wow. like, like psych is so high there. Like, after the day of climbing, everybody goes back to the to the campsite and like cooks dinner, and then a quarter of the people go back to the wall with their headlamps. Dude, it sounds like what I experienced when I was in Squamish. Like, everyone's there for that same." thing which is climbing 
So you like go back to the camp and as you're cooking, people are like, what did you get on? It's like, oh, I jumped on this and I projected this. And what did you get on? And then after that, you'd be sitting around and everyone would be so psyched that they're like, well, you want to go back out? It's like, yeah, I'll go back out. And so you just like pack up a crash pad headlamp and head back out to the boulders. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Yeah. Glorious. Yeah, I could spend... I mean, there's lifetimes of, of climbing to do out there. Lifetimes of stuff to explore. How uh, how far was it from Santiago? That, without traffic, is about five hours, I would say. But we actually, it was funny because we, we left Santiago at like 10 p.m. So I expected to be there around, they, 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 they told me between four and five hours. So I thought, yeah, between two and three. Well... It was a four-day weekend, so everybody was on the highway. We experienced crazy traffic. PM? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were like Whoa. at standstill traffic on the on the highway, and we didn't actually get there till like six thirty in the morning. And it was like, <laughs> you know, that kind of psych. Like, I think that same thing happened to you when you got to to Yosemite, right? Where you yeah. like got yeah. there and you were Woke just up like four thirty, and yeah, yeah. Like I at six thirty in the morning, I was like, dude. I kind of don't even want to sleep at all. I kind of just want to go climb, but nobody else wanted to go climb. So we slept for like three hours and then we got up and just crushed all day, all day. It was so sick. Dude, that is awesome. And we, yeah, we climbed crazy that 10 at night. There was that much traffic. Oh dude, it was nuts. Yeah, it was, it that was like not fun. We were like, we were packed like sardines into this little tiny Volkswagen, (laughs) five people, in a five-person car with, like, literally every, like, slot filled with a bag of bread or a sleeping bag or, or like, a sleeping pad or whatever, you know. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, when we got there, we just unpacked everything, set up all the tents, climbed at the Grand Moreau that morning, and then made a lunch. And then that, that afternoon, we actually did do, like, a very slight trek. It was more like a mosey over to a different kind of rock, which wasn't basalt. And there is multi-pitch stuff to do there, which we had originally intended on. But then the guy that was leading it got off route. And um, we sort of just decided to just do a single pitch because we were with some sort of inexperienced climbers. But that was really fun climbing too. And I actually ended up having to try pretty hard on a 510 that the last move was just like, on this little tiny greasy crimp that you had to come off a kind of scary mantle to hit this greasy crimp and then throw for the top. And yeah, it was, it was fun, man. It was good. It was good. Try hard time. So do most people head out if they're going climbing, head out for a couple days? Does it seem like that's the, the style like go camp, post up, climb? Yeah, I would say it's probably about half and half. Cause I mean, right around Santiago too. I mean, the, the place that we I first went to trek and climb, there's also easily accessible climbing that you can just walk like 10 minute or like, you know, it's, it's more of like a brutal 10 minute trek. But um, yeah, like go 10 minutes and then just hang out for the day. And some people hang out for the day and some people uh, camp there. But camping is super unregulated too. So you never have to pay for camping. You can pretty much like camp wherever you want. Yeah, I don't know. That's like the that's like the climbing culture is just a bunch of sport routes. Did everything seem pretty well bolted that you've been on? Yeah, yeah. I never got to anything that felt super run out. 
I mean, now and then you get to an incredibly easy slab that you're like, all right, I'm just going to kind of like mosey up this and it's like 20 feet without a bolt, but you'd kind of have to be trying to actually fall more than a foot or something like that. So, yeah, yeah, everything seems safe. Are there other areas within like an hour vicinity of Santiago to go sport climb? Yes. The short answer is yes. It's hard to describe what this city looks like, but imagine imagine the Sandia Mountains, but stretching along the entire length of New Mexico. Like you're always just like within hmm. within like ten miles of of ten thousand foot peaks. Always. Always, always, always. Like there, and yeah, there's just hills everywhere I like there's a, there's more than anybody could ever possibly do in a lifetime so the foothills are just everywhere you're always at the foothills of the mountain always like if you're not in the city you're either heading towards the ocean and it's fairly flat or you're in the foothills of the mountains and you're within a few minutes of a climbing area crazy do you know the name of the place that... Because Alex Johnson went out there and they established in Bouldering, right? Yes, that's actually in Cajon del Maipo. It's called Chori Boulder. Um, and I can't wait to get out there, but I want to go with a crash pad and trying to figure it out how to like get a crash pad without having to buy one, which I then have to sell later. But I'm yeah. like, I might just have to do that. I don't know. Cause that looks epic. It looks like, it looks like amazing climbing, but, um, how, how far is that? That's probably about an hour and a half. Oh, that's not bad at all. No. I mean, at some point, if I can't figure out a crash pad, I'm just going to go out there and camp and try and, you know, do some old school bouldering just without pads. But I don't know. I, I, it would super suck to get like a, to like sprain my foot really bad or something like that. Cause I, decided to go balls to the wall yeah i wonder you can't like rent them from the gym or no one at the gym even like has them no yeah no weird even like the gym have you talked to the gym owners like people that that run those spots yeah that's yeah they don't have them like like i said generally people that boulder boulder inside and people that go outside and have routes and, and like they might train in or uh, they have ropes and they might train in the gym, but when they go outside, they're going to climb on rope. Hmm. That's kind of an unseen obstacle. We didn't expect it to be like that level of, I guess, lack of pad that yeah. we, we're lacking the pad, dude. Yeah. We, <laughs> we didn't expect we this. Get a pad out there, dude. We didn't, we've come too far for this. I know. Well, I mean, the, the good thing is that the sport climbing here is fantastic. Yeah. And I'm getting a lot of, I'm getting a lot of that kind of experience. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm getting in that kind of shape, but every time I get the chance to like do some hard bouldering, I'm like, hell yeah. This yeah. is what it's all about. So yeah, Sick, I mean, at, at some point I'll just go out to Tory Boulder and just like, try and find other climbers and be like, Hey, what's up? Can I fall on your guys pad a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I can't wait. That sounds, I think I, 
Was it a video? Did we watch a video before you took off? Of Troy Boulder? Troy Boulder. Yeah. 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 Um, you have any plans for the, the coming weekends? Um, well, actually, this weekend I'm going to go to Valparaiso. Um, my dad's coming into town to visit, and there is some seaside bouldering there. Um, but I've heard that, that those areas are full of flight days. <laughs> and that maybe I should stay away. Um, but every video I've seen of this seaside bouldering, nobody's using crash pads. So I'm like, eh, it might be worth it to risk the flight days. <laughs> take take the shoes and nothing else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yes. Are you guys staying out there at like a, a hotel or something? Airbnb. Nice. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. And that's that's on the beach, right? Yeah, yeah. Valparaiso, is, it's going to be beautiful, man. Dude, that's awesome. Are you staying out there the whole time, or is your dad coming into Santiago too? Well, you got to fly into Santiago, but he's heading straight from Santiago to Valparaiso. And then he's going to come with his girlfriend. We're going to stay out there for like three days together. And then I have to head back, actually, to Santiago to work again. So he'll stay in Valparaiso for a couple days, and then he'll come back, and we'll have another like meal or two together, and then uh, and then he heads back to the states. Nice, that'll be cool. That'll be real cool. That's the place that you were talking about wanting to go for New Year's, right? Yeah, it has the largest fireworks display in the world. Sick. Although I hear that their new mayor might be sort of a uh, what's a what's a good word to use. He might be. He might be kind of like. He might rain on the parade of the fireworks display a little bit. A prude. A prude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might be a little bit of a prude. That's disappointing, dude. I hope that. I hope that happens. Yeah, dude. Well, I mean, either way, it'll be awesome. I mean, like the crazy thing is, you guys are just starting winter there, or like almost dude, to winter. You have no idea how how close we are. Temperature dropped 20 degrees from yesterday to today. I'm a little jealous because we're starting summer here and it's like, it's like 1230 right here or it's 830 there, 1230 in the morning here. And, um, it is decently warm here in my room. I don't know, man. I might, I might trade it. Nah, dude, I'm, nah. I'm kind of, bu- that's the one thing I'm bummed about. I'm like, I'm missing sending temps there in New Mexico. And I got to say, the other thing is, uh, is green chili. I'm missing my chili. I'm missing my sending temps. I'm missing my peeps. But other than that, dude, shit, life, life is good. Shout out. Any, any peeps, dude? Shout out to the peeps. To shout the out. Chilies. <laughs> shout out to all the peeps. Shout out to Matt. Shout out to Greg. Shout out to Brendan. Shout out to my fam. All the fam there in Albuquerque. Big time shout out. Hell yeah, dude. The world keeps moving. You're you're coming back perfect time for uh, Hermit's Peak, though, which is going to be good. I have a good feeling about Hermit's Peak next summer, man. Oh, dude, this season is, We're yeah. We're going to be breaking some shit down out there. We're yeah, we got to get all about it. We got to get all about it. I'm so I'm super into it. Take some of the the Chile style and and trek to the boulders and stay there for a few days, man. It, it begs it begs for for that kind of adventure. Guaranteed. Yeah, we're gonna make it happen for sure. I uh, 
I can't wait to get back there and sleep on my crash pad. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, dude, this has been, this has been awesome. I'm glad to get to talk to you. We kind of like, I think we maybe unintentionally didn't talk about climbing as much so that now we could like dive into it. Yeah. It was like almost half intentional, I think. Cause we were just like, yeah, we'll get there. We'll yeah. chat about it. Yeah. I, yeah. Thanks for taking the time, man. It'll, it'll, uh, it'll be good to share this, share the, share the, the beta, the Chile beta. I'm psyched to hear how everything's working out that you got a house with climbers, dude. That's, that's the dream. It's perfect. Dude, There's it's, no better way for that to work out. It's rad. Yeah. Pretty much. I like made this random plan in my mind and thought, man, maybe if like half of that works out, if I like go to Santiago and I can get a job teaching English and I can live with some climbers and climb on the weekends and train in the gym during the weeks. And literally a hundred percent of that has come true. And, uh, dude, it's, I don't know. It's awesome. I like have my sights set on, on other stuff already. Like I wanted, I want to sort of do the same thing in Spain at some point. Sick. Are you still planning to head down to Patagonia on the tail end of the, of the adventure? Oh, guaranteed, dude. I would not come down to Chile without stopping in Patagonia. Like that's just, it's not, it's not an option. It's not in, not in the least an option. Hell yeah, dude. Like I said earlier in the podcast, if anyone would like to check out the blog on Valle de los Condores. Yeah. Valley of the Condors. Projectbouldering.com slash blog. Check it out. There's some beautiful pictures uh, nice long write-up from Hav talking about that whole adventure, the climbing out there, the camping. And uh, if you'd like to follow us, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those things. Took us a while to get off the ground, but we got some podcasts coming up here in the next few months. And uh, of course, we'll be checking back in with Hav, see the climbing, talk about the beach, and uh, take care, man. Yeah, man. Peace out. Peace.